0: as we continue in our worship service. You know, me, whoever, whoever called just the songs that everybody does jumping jacks to as the worship service, and then comes, oh, now comes the preaching of the Word of God or some kind of life lesson. The, the, the teaching of the, the Word of God is such an integral part of our worship from day to day. That's why we need to focus on it, not just when we come to church. Whenever we come to church, but that we focus on it and read and study and, and absorb the Word of God throughout our whole life. You know, that's what worship is. Genuine worship is, is knowing who God is and trusting in who He has revealed Himself to be. And it's just not, a, it's just not just a, a weekly thing. It ought to be. It doesn't have to be, but it ought to be a daily thing in our lives. What else are we going to hold on to? as we've seen all the decay and deterioration going on in the world and in our own lives, the greatest thing we can do is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Know Him. Know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings. Know Him for His complete work that He did on the cross of Calvary. At that, we're going to look at Paul. We're going to continue last week uh, from last week where I took a little detour, I think it was a good detour, I think it's a detour that we all need to have, is that we be focused on, on the Lord Jesus Christ and his soon calling up of the saints to, to, in the rapture of the church. But today we're going to look at, we looked at that as Paul's motivation uh, to ministry. The revelation of Jesus Christ to him, was what made it so that no matter what he was going through, he could, he could answer people correctly, he could love them no matter what. I don't see anything in Scripture that shows that Paul ever lost his, his temper. You know, he never, he never, no matter what was going on, he would remain steadfast looking to the Lord and, and teaching and preaching what the Lord told him to do. So we're going to be in Acts chapter number twenty-two, where we looked at last week, where we started to look at last week, and this is a lot of this is repeti- uh, repetition from what what took place on on Paul's conversion and his call on the road to Damascus, which Paul, which Luke teaches. In the, in the third person or the second person teaching historically of what happened to Paul. But Paul, here in Acts chapter 22, gives his own narrative, and in Acts 26, he testifies of that conversion once again. So it's important what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. Now we know the history of Paul, he was a murderer, he was, he was a ferocious had ferocious opposition to the way, and what happened on that road to Damascus, he went from that ferocious persecutor to being a fearless preacher of the gospel in the way that he once killed and persecuted. So it was important what happened to him there, much like Moses actually going to to, to, to the mountain and receiving of the Lord with with all this glory that came. It could be also likened also until the transfiguration of the mount, on the mount where Jesus was transformed into glory. The same light would come to Paul. The same voice would come to Paul. The voice of Jesus would tell Paul what he was going to do. So let's read the beginning of Acts chapter 22. Once again, men, brethren, we're just going to read through verse, verse uh, 21 this morning. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man, which am a Jew." Born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound into Jerusalem, for to be punished. And it came to pass, that as I made my journey, and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground, and heard a voice saying unto me, "'Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me?' And I answered, "'Who art thou, Lord?' And he said unto me, "'I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, "'What shall I do, Lord?' And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul... Receive thy sight, and the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sin's calling on the name of of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saw him saying unto me, Make haste, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord... They know that I I imprisoned and beaten every synagogue, them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Actually, let me just go a couple more verses further because we want to look and see the reaction to that last verse, to verse 21. And they gave him audience unto this word and then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might, might know wherefore they cried out against him. Now leave it right there and continue that next time. And Lord, we just pray that you would add your blessing to your word this morning. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, after looking last week at the motivation for Paul's ministry, which is the same motivation we have for ministry today, being the rapture of the church, today we'll look again at the testimony of his conversion and his call by the Lord Jesus Christ to ministry. So verse number, uh, verse number one... Oh, got to go back to the right chapter. This is still such a weird thing. To, to, I, heard, I heard last week, I could hear the flipping... Bible that was being picked up on the mic, it was like, I just wanted to record that. Just, just have like, a, like 15 minutes of the sound of pages turning. That would be a great scintillating video, would it not? But in verses number 1 and 2 of chapter 22, I keep on losing my place here, it says, Men and fathers, bear ye my defense, which I make unto you, and when they, had ba- they, when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith. That's where we ended last week. And we took that break and looked at the rapture. Paul had common ground because he was these certain things outlined in verse, in verse number 3. Number 1, he says, I am verily a man which am a Jew. I am the same as all of you, Who are now persecuting me? I am a Jew. Notice he doesn't say I was a Jew, but I am a Jew. He became all things to all men. To the Jews he became as a Jew. To the Gentiles, he became as a Gentile in order that he might win some. No, not only was a Jew, he was also born in, in Tarsus, a Roman city in Cilicia on the southern southeast coast of of modern day turkey today it was a prominent city of of, of roman governments, gover, governance with a strong jewish population there so not only am i a jew i grew up in a roman province that was where that was where i was born i have i have both roman and jew so we have that in common what else does he say here he says uh Yet brought up in this city, born in Tarsus, a Jew born in Tarsus, but he was brought up in Jerusalem. So he had all those things in common with this very same people who were persecuting him. He was in the, the end of chapter, verse number, uh, the middle of here, it says, in the, up, brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, name in a Hebrew of Hebrews, Paul learned what he knew from Gamaliel. Gamaliel, by the way, means the reward of God. Who was this Gamaliel? We find him over in Acts chapter 5. Let's Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Remember his counsel that he had? The wise counsel of Gamaliel? Acts chapter 5. start it. Let's, let's start down at verse uh, verse 28, I was going to start at 29, it says, uh, verse 27, and when they had brought them, this is, this is Peter and the other apostles, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I wish they had had the blood of Jesus Christ upon them. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, I, I would have, could have a whole message about that one portion of a verse right there, even in light of the things going on in this world today. This world that has rejected God. Governments who were ordained by God as ministers of of Him and righteousness have totally gone against God. But I'll end that rabbit trail right there before before we stay there. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men... The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. This is the this was the still the national gospel going to Israel, the gospel of the kingdom found in Acts chapter two, the reoffer of that. This, this isn't even talking about us. This was Israel. He, up to the stoning of Stephen, they were offered that kingdom, and if they repented and trusted the Lord and followed them in baptism and the other external things, they would have admission into the kingdom. So Peter preached the doctrine of repentance that they ought to, ought to change their mind about who this Messiah was. He came to deliver them. There's no hope for the rest of the world, but this is all based on the commonwealth of Israel. And we are his witnesses, verse 32, of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, when they heard that, page sticking together, they were cut to the heart and took counsel. To slay them. Same reaction that that they had for Stephen as well. He gave the history of the nation of Israel rejecting the Lord. This is the same thing that would happen to Paul wherever he went. Everyone that spoke of the Jewish Messiah were persecuted and threatened with death. They actually got Stephen. If we remember the story of Stephen, we remember that when, when he was there, the Lord was with him, standing with them. Could have been very well Israel's last straw. And judgment would, would take place right there. Those things in Acts chapter 2 and Joel chapter 2 and 3 would come immediately into play. But no, God had a better plan. He had the experience of appearing to Paul on the road to Damascus ushering in the age we're in today. And that age will end when the rapture of the church happens. And bingo, right back we go into the plan for Israel. Verse number 34, now we'll get to Gamaliel. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named uh, Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. He was the highest-ranking person, the most known of the Pharisees around at that day. Had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and they drew away much people after him, he also perished, and and, and all even as many as obeyed him and were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Sound words by Gamaliel then. In other words, he was saying, we've had people... Like this, we've had people come up and through the history that have attempted to overthrow our nation. They've attempted different things that came to naught. If that's the case here, these apostles will just fade away. If it's not of God, it will fade away. That's why even today we have so many different moves of God. When you hear movement, watch out, movements tend to move away. Whatever Pentecostal movement, uh, mysticism movement, all these different things—they're called movements for a reason. They do move; they move people from sound doctrine to heresy, and they eventually move away and just disappear. I could name on—I could probably count on my ten fingers, my ten toes—and get get books out about all the different movements that have come and gone. Gamaliel was correct. If it's not of God, it's going to fade away. But if it is of God, there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, was ordained to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. That was before the foundation of the world. At the foundation of the world, the the Jews would be put in in mind he would call he would know of his people he would call and that would take place we see the history of that all that happening but it's gonna fade away if it be of God good luck Gamaliel was saying let's go back to Acts 22 so this Gamaliel a doctor of a doctor of the law I hear that term we have doctors of the church Be careful today. This doctor of the law, trying to find my place again. So, Paul was sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, it's interesting. I I looked up, I I found this so called Jewish scholar that tried to, to, to say that Paul never met Gamaliel. He wasn't with Gamaliel, he was saying. See, it's still going today. People will still try to deny the truth of what what God's Word said. Jewish scholar says it can't be, because Gamaliel never went to Tarsus. What reasoning that is, because he didn't go to Tarsus, he was in Jerusalem. That's where Paul was raised. He was born in Tarsus, under the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, his, his grandfather Hillel, was the most known Pharisee in the history of Israel. He would would bring forth the law. Well, he didn't bring it forth. He only represented the law. And he would pass that down. He had a son named Simeon, who we don't know anything about, really. The Talmud has some writings about him. The Talmud mentions things about about Gamaliel as well, but there's not that much that we know. But what we do is very telling of what Paul was like. So this Simeon, the son of Hillel, it possibly is the same Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Let's go there for a second. Possibly. I put up the, the air quotes. Possibly the same Simeon. There's no real proof of it, but it's an interesting thing. Let's look at Simeon. Acts chapter 2. This is one of my favorite, not Acts chapter 2, Luke number 2. Luke chapter 2. When we get into the the Christmas season, this is one of my favorite parts right here. Luke chapter 2, down to verse... Twenty-five. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was part of that remnant that was actually paying attention to the signs of the time, paying attention to the Scriptures, understanding what the birth of Jesus Christ was. This was the Messiah who was prophesied of old, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. I love that. The Holy Ghost came upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is the consolation of Israel, the, the Messiah He got to hold him in his arms. He knew who he was. Think of that. He knew. Most of the world, most of Israel rejected that Messiah, but there's always been a remnant throughout all history that would believe upon him. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. It was prophesied. To all. The, everybody would know. Who, who were the ones that knew most? It was the people who came from the east. The wise men from the east. Those Babylonians that came and they knew. They were looking for the Messiah. Another person who knew the Messiah would be born is Satan himself. The history of, of, of Satan and the birth of, of the Messiah can be found in, in Revelation chapter 12 as well. But he's known. He's, he knows prophecy. He knows what was to come, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to light the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. All fulfilled in the latter part of Isaiah chapter 42, chapter 60 through 66 all talk about this light to the Gentiles. That they would even come to His coming. When Jesus returns, when Israel will be that head, all the nations of the world will bow down, will bend to them. There is hope for them. Let me finish this up. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of, again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pat, pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It's interesting to look at that as possibly the father of Gamaliel. But it's biblical truth, nonetheless. What would happen when Jesus was born? He would be rejected. Satan incarnate at the time, a type of the Antichrist, Herod. What did he do? Anybody remember? He would go to have all the males slaughtered in the area. So then then the Messiah would go into Israel and then out of Egypt, He He would come, that firstborn Of the of of the the Messiah and Israel would come out of Egypt, in in Hosea chapter eleven. Back to back to Acts twenty two. So Gamaliel, his dad Simeon and grandfather Hillel, like like his grandfather, he was called the elder. Master, in Hebrew, ha him like Hillel. And he was the first one that would be called Rabban. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, there was somebody else that was called Rabban or Rabboni. John chapter 20. Let's go to verse 16. Jesus, this is is at uh, at the tomb, when Jesus appears to Mary, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She recognized Jesus as Master. Gamaliel, at his time, he was recognized as the Master. The Pharisee of Pharisees, which Paul would later take the same title. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the law, perfect. Because he learned from, at the school, at the feet of Gamaliel. So he was the first to be called Rabban. Very similar to, or the same word as in, as in Greek for Rabboni, for Jesus. There were some things, and without going into a lot more about Gamaliel, the three important things that Paul would pick up from him. Number one, what made Gamaliel different than others before him was his personality. Number one is the candor and honesty of judgment. He was out in the open. as we see his testimony in chapter five, he didn't try to hide anything, he said, "Listen, if this be of God, nothing you can't do anything of it, but it'll fade away." That was sound judgment that Gamaliel had brought into the, into the Pharisees, and that was what Paul had. You'd do anything for anyone but, but tell the truth, no matter what. He had a willingness to study. And make use of, and here's we put the gasp sign, <gasps> Greek literature. Gamaliel was a studier, a student of Greek culture. He he got to know the things around him as well, and Paul would have the same. It was said of Paul, I was looking for this quote, that Gamaliel said that Paul was so addicted to reading. That you couldn't separate him from his books. At that, we have one little notion of that in Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four, the closing. His Paul's concern as, as he's about to go to his go to to depart and be with the Lord. Second Timothy chapter four. The cloak that I left, verse 13. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, who, when thou comest, bring with thee. It says, make sure to bring the, the, the coat that I have there, that I left there. And the books. Don't forget the books. His Paul's priority was about to be about to be put to death. Bring the books. There's different things that we can look at about the books, but especially the parchments. We know that Paul quoted from, from the Epicureans. He quoted from others in order to make a point with those people over in Acts chapter 17 oh, in, in, in Athens. He quoted, he knew better what their philosophers were, were about than they did. He says, but he says, take the books, but especially the parchments. Know what those parchments more than likely were? His writings that he had. Scripture he had. Make sure you don't lose those. Bring the books. They're important. But those parchments would have contained the the Scriptures. They would contain the new revelation from Jesus Christ as well as all of his gleanings from the Jewish law and the Greek philosophers. That's why he could quote them and use them in his, his defense of the faith before those pagans. So that's what he took from, from Gamaliel. Willingness to study and make use of Greek authors. And also, the third thing of these three things that, that he would have gotten from Gamaliel, and why Paul was more than likely Gamaliel's most prized student, He had a keen and watchful enthusiasm for the Jewish law. God bless you. He knew the law inside and out as a Pharisee. He would glean from that. But also he would use that in a lawful way along with his revelation of Jesus Christ. So those are the things he had. That's his testimony. With, with a, if you saw that resume upon him, if you were those Jews before him, wouldn't you be saying, Hallelujah, this guy is one of us. But as soon as he said that Jesus told him to go to the Gentiles, the game changed. Paul, God bless you, <laughs> I have a saying that's two different people, but we have a saying at work uh, that, that if you sneeze three times, you get to go home. You should hear all the fake sneezing that goes on. So I had to change that. I, if you sneeze three times, you have to stay That's what that, for work. Uh, that's a dusty brain. That's what we have. So let's go back to Acts chapter 22. Keep in mind... Paul being the star student the guy that I always when you were in when you were in uh, elementary school did the teacher ever give you a red star that you you put on you you're the star of the day speaking of which those bumper stick stickers that say my son was the star student in such and such school I'm like I'm aggravated by that but you know but that's an aside so back to Acts chapter 22 He gives his testimony of, oh, I still haven't gotten past Gamaliel. He grew up in this city, in Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. You know, I wish people, here's my political commentary of the day, I wish people would study our Constitution the same way they study liberal news media, And we could see a change here. Paul studied. He knew the law. He knew it all. As we saw, he had this this love and this desire of the law for Israel. The manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God. And here's where he puts himself right with them. As ye all are this day. I was zealous just like you. Remember what he was doing. He was bringing people in bonds from Damascus to Jerusalem to have them punished for believing in the way. Then look what happened. Verse 4, we can never get enough of this. And I persecuted this way unto the death. That's some pretty good persecution. Persecution. We sometimes think of persecution as somebody telling us off. He persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. You'd think they would like this testimony because it was just like them. As also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders from whom also I receive letters unto the brethren, And went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, I like the fact that it's noon, the high point of the sun, because there's no way you can get around the brightness of the day that was already there which goes to show me the brightness of the Lord's coming, will be so much brighter than any kind of sunshine, even if it's heavenly sunshine. So in the middle of the day, you know, how many people say they had a vision at night? The Lord came to me while I was in my bedroom sleeping. All that nonsense that goes on. He was at noontime. About noon, suddenly, this shone from heaven a great light round about me this great light the incredible power of the lord jesus christ that bright light what is it let's go back to exodus chapter 34 exodus 34 we can get a a glimpse of what what is happening here i think i already mentioned it about uh the similarities between Paul and and Moses, what happened to Jesus, bring in new revelation in, Exodus chapter thirty four. See, do I want to read the whole chapter? Now, let's just go down to verse 27. Verse 27. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water, And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass, when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the Mount, that Moses wist not, that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh, nigh him. And Moses called unto them, Aaron, and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And after, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out, and he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak unto them. So Moses, going and, and experience in the Lord, on Mount Sinai, he comes out and he, his face is glowing. He's shining. And this is a picture of the law that has a veil on it because of, of Moses. Let's go over to uh, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I took the shortest of these uh, accounts. Mark chapter 9. Good bless you. Third person, third separate Mark chapter nine. Let's see where we're going in Mark nine. Verse number one. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so that no fuller on earth can white them. By the way, that's a great picture, a depiction of Jesus Christ through the book of Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and into the book of Revelation of this testimony of, of their Messiah. What verse was I on here? Oh yeah, verse number 4 now. And there appeared unto them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, Rabboni, is it good for us to be here? And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. Cloud by day, fire by night, a shelter in a time of storm. This was that same cloud that, that overshadowed the Israelites in the wilderness. This same cloud appeared to them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. And suddenly when they had, they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down... From the mountain he charged them, they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying within themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. See, the apostles had no clue about the resurrection until after the resurrection. It's amazing how that happens. And they asked him, saying... Why say the scribes that Elias must first come? And he answered and told, um, them, Elias and he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first, first and restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed as it is written of him. Speaking of John the Baptist. Let's go to another place in in Scripture. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now this is one I could easily go through the whole chapter. But let's go down to Verse number six. Hmm. Let's go back to one. Uh do we, is Paul saying. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others of epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? In other words, Paul is saying, do we need proof from you that we were with you and and we brought this truth to you? Ye are our epistles. You guys are the proof of of the work that that we have laid out. Ye are epistles written in in our hearts, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now you think of it again, Paul is writing these things to the the real wayward, immature Corinthians. Verse number 6, "...who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses... For the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away? How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? So he's saying that the, the, the ministration of the law, it's veiled through Moses, but that is fading away. So what's better is the ministration of the Spirit. And ultimately, the ministration of the Spirit, after the church is gone, will will be on Israel and even in the kingdom, that ministration of the Spirit is going to teach people. It's amazing how that will happen. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory. Yes, the law was glorious, but the law condemned. The law could never save Even for the nation of Israel, what was required was not strict obedience of the law, but faith, to trust in the Lord. Had they, through the wilderness, had they trusted in what Jesus Christ, or what God had provided at the time, through the types and anti-types of Christ, they would have gone directly into the promised land. But they always fell back not trusting the Lord. Nothing to do with the law at the time. It was all about faith. Verse number 10, verse 9, For the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. The Spirit is rather glorious, the ministration of righteousness exceeding in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. I like that. Glorious, then exceeding in glory, and excelleth. is above everything. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done, is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. It, what is it? Glad you asked. That'll be the nation of Israel, which won't trust in the law anymore, but will trust in their Messiah when he comes. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I love that verse. That's so applicable for all that time Imagine if we didn't have the Spirit of the Lord and we were trying to live by every dictate of man, we would have no hope. If our hope was in the law, we'd have no hope because we'd be breaking the law every single day. The law was a condemnation of sin. The schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Verse number 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. You know that open face? You know how you can experience that open face? Open your face and open the Bible and you'll grow. And you'll go from glory to glory. Salvation or justification brings us glory. And we can grow in that glory through the sanctification of the Spirit as we live. Amen. A couple more places about this this light and this glory that's to come. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I'll try to go to one verse. Verse. Verse number 12. It's Jesus in his earthly ministry said this. Then spake Jesus again unto them. Actually, let's go back to... Let's go back to verse 1. Verse 12 is such an incredible verse. Verse number one, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commended us, commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? I always put, stone them all. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to wait till we see Jesus to ask him exactly what he wrote on the ground. There are so many different ideas, all of them are plausible about what he did, but we really don't know. The analogy I always like to have is, is that the law of God was etched in stone and here was the finger of God writing in the dirt. That's as far as I'll go with that, but that's just one of those things. Was he he writing down all of the sins of every person there? Was he he writing down her sins and that that they were covered? We don't really know. We'll have to ask at another time. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one by their own conscience. They didn't just blindly go. They they had their own conscience. They saw that what was written convicted them of of their sin. One, One by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman... Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Some of the greatest words ever spoken in the world. Then, verse number 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Break that down into two. I am. He is God. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written, In your law, I like how he says that, in your law, that the testimony of two men is true. That's what you need. Two or three are gathered in my name. I am in the midst. I am one that beareth witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, ye should also have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid a hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, "I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and I shall die in your, and ye shall die in your sins. whither I go, ye cannot come." Then said the Jews, "Will he kill himself? Because he saith, "Whither I go, ye cannot come." And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Notice in the he in in I am he, it's in italics, which is part of Scripture, but it was there added for clarifications. So if you believe not that I am, am you shall die in your sins then said they unto him who art thou and jesus saith unto them even the same that i said unto you from the beginning i have many things to say and to judge of you but he that sent me is true and i speak to the world those things which i have heard of him they understood not that he he spake to them of the father Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And He that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. And He spake these words. As He spake these words, many believed on Him. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, "We We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of the devil, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. And I'm going to close with verse 35. One to remember. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So we see this light that came into the world. Back in John chapter 1, the light came into the world but his own he came into the world and his own received him not. True light had come, and that true light was rejected. But we do have these, these instances of this light appearing to Moses, to Jesus, or the disciples, and to Paul, this light came. Let's go to one more place and close in closing, Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter number one. If I haven't said this before, Colossians is one of my favorite books of of the Bible. These big pages don't turn as easier as the smaller ones.. <laughs> Colossians chapter one. It was at the time. you can go Ephesians can be one A and Colossians one B, you know. Sometimes it's Romans. I've been loving the book of Zechariah lately. It's Colossians chapter number one. Verse number nine. I think that's where I'm going. Yeah. For this cause what cause? Verse number, verse number eight. Who also declared unto us your love in the spirit? Their love in the spirit that the Colossians had. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And here's why. This is all about sanctification. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's, made, it's amazing how many people apply those things, that those are things you need to do to be saved. You need to know in the knowledge of God, you need to please Him, you need to do good works for salvation. But these are fruits of salvation. Strengthened, verse number 11, with all might, according to His glorious power. And what will that do? What will that strength do? Uh Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Dr. Paul was a living example of that strengthening no matter what happened. Giving thanks unto, unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's rescued us. He's given us a place. With the saints in light, we're with them already in position. And look at verse 13. Who hath... I love my King James Bible. I love that word, hath. It's done. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. The Apostle Paul was delivered when that light shone on that road in Damascus under the noonday sun. Today we have the light shining into a dark place through the Word of God. It's amazing. So If we go to Colossians 4, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, we know the God of this world blinds people to the truth. Satan doesn't want you to read the Bible. Satan doesn't want you to grow spiritually. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, hath. We've been plucked up out of that kingdom of darkness and we're in the kingdom of light where we will ever be. In whom? Who's the in whom? In Jesus Christ. Now close with this. We have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. His blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness his blood is the great equalizer in all the world and that trusting and faith in Christ and his giving of his life shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary is the only thing that will pay for our eternity and yet we get we get to grow in those things because we are children or citizens of light Rather than of the darkness, I think that's a good place to close. You saw how how late it's getting, but this goes too fast for me. I don't know about you guys, I don't, but it's like all of a sudden I look up. It's like wow. But the amazing thing we have is we have this testimony, which will continue, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we have a Damascus Road experience. I don't expect a, glo- a light to shine on me and cause me to do something, because that's been done in the past. It's for our edification. But yet, do you ever have this happen to you? You're reading the Bible, if perchance you read the Bible, and all of a sudden you see something, wow, there's new light that's been shed on that. I get that. That's what Bible study and growing in His grace will do. You'll see those things as you build line upon line and precept upon precept, you understand how the Bible is so united through it all. There's nothing new in any of the Scriptures. All of it is written, it's been revealed, it's for our growth, our learning, and and, and we see it. That's when we have the light that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. See, God, good when you look at what He's done. That's the most important thing. And what can we do? We can trust. Believe and trust in Jesus Christ for his redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. That's all we need to do. And even that, no matter how long we've been a Christian, it's never too late to say, I can't snap. Helen can snap. I can't yeah, snap. Feel it? I'm so far away from Jesus. I, I've done this, I've done that. I don't feel close. Do it again. Here we go. There's a snap. We get back. There we go. You get a snap back there? There we go. All right, John. Just like that. That's how fast. Even quicker that, than that. You can have be back and and, and a good relationship with Christ when you think of what it's, what He's done and His work. Amen.